Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome, everyone, to another Inside Groove. I think we're up to episode 23 now, if I'm not mistaken. We are happy to be back for another week of motorsports conversation, and we have got a really cool show ahead for all of you. Hope that you will enjoy it. The show, as always, being brought to you by IPC Indy, Jeff West, and his staff at Indy Performance Composites. They can manufacture just about anything you need. So uh, give them a call and find them on the web, ipcindy.com. I want to thank Jeff and his staff for being a part of the show. Also by Skip's Fish Fry, Sean Cathcart and his staff, uh, a big supporter of ours, and we really appreciate that as well. And, of course, our newest uh, supporter, JNS Paving, Rich Worth and his staff as well, a big part of the show. And want to thank all of them. Happy to be with you for another week, Fall finally arriving the good news is it's a little cooler the bad news is for super modified fans no more racing until next year but this is when we get to sit back relax and uh spend the winter bench racing and planning for next season and uh that's always fun and always a good time and we've got a great show lined up as i mentioned earlier We're going to be talking in just a moment with Steve Miller. Steve is one of my favorite all-time car owners. That man has had so many different drivers in his cars, and especially back in the uh, 70s when it was, you had a lot of those type of car owners that you never knew from week to week who was going to be in the car. Uh, it It was owners like Steve Miller and Herm Graf and Ralph Wissing and a few others that really made life interesting at Oswego back then. And uh, Steve put a lot of his life into motorsports and really looking forward to talking to him. And also, uh, we're going to talk with Camden Proud. We're going to kind of look back at Super Dirt Week. We've got some Oswego Speedway news to tell you about. And uh, we're also going to be talking about thompson of course a a very special win for john mckennedy in the uh world series super modified event at thompson over this past weekend we're going to have all of that for you as well so looking forward to this show we're going to get things started here with steve miller right after this Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider, motorcycle air suspension at Strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove, and we are really excited today and really honored to have Steve Miller joining us. Steve, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, if you're a newer Super Modified fan, was a longtime car owner and even got behind the wheel a few times himself, um, but uh, was a very big part of my um 
super modified time, if you will, growing up at Oswego in the 70s and right up uh, until he uh, get out of racing. Um, gosh, uh, we'll get to when he get out of racing, but we've got a lot of story to tell before then. So, Steve, first of all, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show today and really excited about this. What what got you interested in racing in the first place? Take us all the way back to the beginning and talk about um, how Steve Miller first got interested in racing. Well, I was I was drag racing at first. Oh wow! Um, I was stationed out in Hawaii, and uh, lucky you. Yeah, <laughs> well, I didn't think so sta- at the time. <laughs> well, if you're going to be stationed somewhere, Hawaii's not bad. <laughs> well, there was a drag strip on Oahu, and <laughs> there uh, you go. We we uh, played played around with that for a little bit, and uh, that was that was the uh, I think I ran M stock, which. If you won, you you got five dollars or a trophy. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> I always took the five bucks. <laughs> I was gonna say it's probably worth more than the trophy. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, when I got back here after I got out of the service, um, had a buddy of mine that uh, used to race dirt at Brewerton, and uh, or no, I'm sorry, asphalt. That was that was right. He uh, had a modified that he ran in. Uh, at uh, Brewerton, and he talked me into going to Oswego. He uh, he said that's some really fantastic race, and you'll really love it. And boy, he wasn't wrong. I loved the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I I think uh, it was sixty eight. I I uh, decided I'd uh, watched long enough, and I had a tow truck, so I took that to the speedway and. And uh, pushed off and hauled in Rex for two or three years. And oh, okay. Then uh, got the bug to get my own car. Jack Murphy had an old upright for sale. And uh, he uh, he sold that to me. And you know, basically, it was just a bare frame. Oh, okay. I think it was fr- frame, front suspension, and body panels. And uh, I uh, stuck it together, sort of not having a clue what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and that had to be the most miserable piece of junk we ever, <laughs> ever had. Well, that's how but, most uh, people start, right? They don't have a clue what they're doing. but <laughs> Well, we, we thought we did. <laughs> <laughs> Got humbled pretty quick, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Were you driving at that point? I, I did drive, yeah. Okay. And then I realized that wasn't going to work out too well. So I had the buddy of mine that uh, talked me into going in the first place. He was helping me with the car. I says, why don't you get in and try it? And uh, so he went out there and was running in a heat race. And he got tangled up with Gary Witter and hit the wall up between one and two. Oh, boy. And uh, it was was strictly my buddy's fault. I guess you can throw him under the bus now. It's like, what, 40 years later? So next week in the uh, program, uh, the Eagle, they uh, had a picture of Steve Miller and Gary Witter in the wall together. Oh, boy. <laughs> it wasn't me, Sheriff. He he stayed right away from everybody. He didn't want it to be known that he was the one that did that. That's funny. So he threw me under the bus big time. That's funny. But... uh Anyway, uh, 
that, that car really didn't work at all. We only ran it about a half a dozen times, and it was just such a mess that we, uh, um, I, I knew that it wasn't going anywhere. And uh, Ron Buckner had an old Indy Roadster for sale that he ran in 71. And uh, so I bought that from him and uh, took a lot of the pieces out of the upright, the engine and stuff, and uh, some of the running gear and put the roadster back together and we ran that for two years so that was was 72 you would have debuted that right correct yeah Mm -hmm. okay okay and uh race i drove it i drove it some race sand drove it uh gary kelly uh, maybe a time or two um kelly yeah i think he did drive it Yeah, yeah absolutely he drove it for buckner too Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he he put it in the fence up and won real hard one night. Oh, wow. Bent the, bent the heck out of it, and Buckner got it straightened out, and um, he didn't run it much after that, and then I bought it. So anyway, Kelly got another shot at it. Okay. Luckily, he, he didn't wreck it <laughs> for me, but <clears throat> it, uh, it, it, it uh, had more success with uh, Ed Bell in it uh in 73 okay that's uh, when i first remember yeah ed bell was driving for you and uh i mean we didn't have any money didn't uh have any great amount of tools or or talent and uh we were just fumbling our way through it but we managed to put together a car that would uh would run halfway decently i remember eddie won a 18 car concy one night with that thing and wow. uh, it was uh it was uh doing pretty good then uh mike rizzo got in it oh he did i didn't know mike ever drove for you he did one time he w- he took about two or three laps in the warm-ups and uh i forget what happened he lost it coming out of four and backed into the uh front pit gate oh and the those old indie roadster frames didn't have any diagonal bracing in them to speak of and uh it bent that thing so badly that i couldn't i had no way of getting it straightened out and uh i was starting to realize some of the limitations of a of a roadster anyway so or at least a indie car version of it ah okay so uh the winter of 73 and 74 i I thought I knew what I was doing again and uh, built my own frame. <clears throat> but, uh, and actually, we had a fair amount of success with that. You did, if it's the car that I remember in 74 that Sean Shanahan started the season in, then you had Ronnie. Yep. And it, Sean, did Sean, Sean tried, but he really, um, he, he just uh, couldn't seem to get it around and, uh, we put Ronnie in it to see what would happen, and uh, man, he went out and and ran well with it. He sure did, yeah. He and that and that never had much of an engine. It had a it had a stock four twenty seven out of a dump truck. Oh wow! With, uh, with the old closed chambered heads that were really restrictive, and I mean it it probably made at least a hundred and fifty horse less than anybody else out there. 
And Ronnie kept telling me, look, at if you put an engine in this thing, I'll win with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seemed like the guy was a goer. And, and he did win some preliminary races, some heats and stuff like that. But, um, he, you know, the poor thing was just so underpowered, and, and I didn't have any money to do anything better with an engine. And uh, then I think uh, yeah, Bruce Kraft drove that yep. car a couple of times. Jimmy Gray. He told, he told, uh, Jimmy didn't drive it until course, see, a couple that, years that later like when we uh, I think yeah yeah we updated it. I yeah. took the old uh, wide five uh, stuff off of it and put uh, open tube with knockoffs and everything. You know, okay. uh, updated it quite a bit, and I tipped the engine and uh, dry sumped it, and uh, that really woke the thing up as far as handling. I mean, it wasn't bad to begin with, but it really helped it, <clears throat> and. Uh, but it still it was the same engine. I only had one engine for that car. We just kept rebuilding it and sticking amazing. it back in there. It's amazing. And back then, I guess, yeah. you, you know, you could get away with that. And, you know, you were you may have been underpowered, but as you said, the car handled well enough that when you had a driver in it like, you know, Ronnie or uh, Jimmy Gray who was capable, I mean, it, it could run well. It did. And... uh we we had a, a great time with it, but uh, then in 76, like I say, I updated it and tipped the engine and all that, and then Champagne came out and trumped all of us. Yeah. We were <laughs> – he came out with that radical offset, and Ron Buckner and I had been comparing notes and sharing ideas about more and more offset – and we thought we were doing a, a heck of a stroke of business, you know, by tipping the engines over and sure. offsetting them more, putting more offset in the rear end and stuff like that. And and then Shambine came out and showed us all how to do it. <laughs> yeah, so, that was uh, an interesting time because you, you had a, a, a period there for a year or so before Jimmy actually raced the offset where – you had Kempton Dates get a flood of orders for cars. You had, you know, you had different drivers, different, you know, show car was starting to, and you had, and it was almost like, you know, the next revolution was right in front of everybody, but nobody really realized it because it never actually raced until about halfway through 77. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we all suspected that it, it was going to be a winner. And I remember, I remember Champagne put Steve Joy on that car. He did. And, yep. yep. Last race of the 76 season. And Steve was quick with it, He's, but he his his thoughts were, it does funny things. I remember he told me that. He said, it, it, I think that was just about a direct quote, was it, it does funny things. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> maybe one of the funny things was it goes really fast. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, you know, he talked about how you could really feel the tires through the through the wheel a lot more than you know, and and you know, he I, I think obviously too he was first one to race it, and I'm sure. And one of the things Jimmy told him afterward was he said it was good for me to 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 see that and follow it because I could see what it was doing in the corners, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that. You know, he made some adjustments for for 77. And, you know, like we said, we, he still didn't bring it out until about halfway through that season. I was so mad because I went to 
um, Pocono for the cup, the cup race that, that year. It was the first time I've ever been to a NASCAR race. I went with my sister and her husband, and I was so excited to go there, and I knew in my heart, because I was a big Jimmy fan, I knew, I'm like, I told my mother, in fact, I remember telling her before I left, you watch, I'm going to go to Pocono, and Jimmy's going to bring out the new car, and I'm going to be mad that I missed it. Well, sure enough, that was the week he brought it out, and he spanked the field. <laughs> I didn't have to wait too long to see the, the rerun, though, because he did it again the next week, but... um it was just an interesting time because it was almost like you sensed that something big was about to happen, but Jimmy sort of teased everybody for a while before he actually dropped the bomb, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I realized that my car was, was, uh, pretty heavy for one thing. And, uh, I thought I could see the handwriting on the wall. So I, uh, I sold that, car in 79 and uh the guy i I sold it to was lionel earl Earl. yep and he put it back together and um painted it dark red and put number 89 on it and then had me drive it in the classic that i remember that yeah (laughs) we were doing great with it too that's i uh i timed well enough to where i started up pretty close to the front in the uh, heat race. I mean, it, the poor thing never had a chance of, of uh, timing in, not with me driving it or what we had for an engine. But <laughs> right. we uh, we started up front in the heat race, and I ran well enough that I qualified for the semi. They, they had semis and, yep. and heat races oh, yeah. back then. Back in the good old days. What's that? Good, back in the good old days. I wish they'd go back <laughs> to that, to be honest. I, re- so, I, re- I liked having uh, all those races, but. Well, I remember I I worked my way up to fifth place in the uh, semi, and I was Ron Wallace was in uh, kind of it was a brown colored car that uh, uh, Rainer and Town had put together with the driver setting up way over to the left. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, the engine was in the center, and he was right in front of me, and he was struggling hard. And I remember I was just about to get around him. Uh, coming out of two, and uh, the caution came out. But I was—they were taking eight out of that race, and I was in fifth, and there was nobody even close to me. But I says, "Oh, what the heck? If I can pick up another spot, why not do it?" You know. And sure. Then the caution came out, and during the caution, the magneto slipped, and the uh, hold down wasn't tight enough, and the thing really retarded on the timing. And uh, <laughs> I there was only, I think six or eight laps left to go and oh, i mean it man. was we were we were in the classic i was counting the money <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden we weren't <laughs> what a what a way i mean you get so close but that's that's part of it right i mean that's um you know i remember you getting in that car um you had driven your own car a little bit and then you drove for ralph mclaughlin for what a year i think um and yeah, I, I drove in '79 for Ralph, was, pretty much the whole year. But it that poor car had no chance of anything. Yeah, and uh, I remember Johnny Bush drove it after I did, and yep. uh, Doug Dadero, and uh, it, it still just never went anywhere. It it was just a poor application of a. Of a design, I guess. Well, I think it, that was the original car he had was the old, <clears throat> that you drove was the old uh, Hagen Howard 7. 
Uh, it was. Yeah. yeah, that was that was yeah. the copy of the uh, Gibson car. Yeah, yeah. The one Didero drove was actually they Ralph bought Johnny's Johnny Bush's show car, I think, and rebuilt it. And I think <clears> that's the one Didero drove a little bit later on, which you know wasn't a great car still, but it was better. And but yeah, the one you drove was the old seven car, and and again, I think it was just you know Ralph. I don't think Ralph had a huge motor or whatever. It just was. You know, again, back then, that was that was the cool thing is you could, you know, you could buy an old car and put a motor in it. I, mean, I suppose you could still do that today, but um, but you could you could actually go out and have a good time and have fun and not, you know, not lose a whole lot of money. You know, I mean, you could you could have a good time with it. And, and if you made the feature, um, you know, it was a good night. and You just tried to finish or whatever. And it, it was just a different a different season back then than than what it is now it, it all didn't cost so much that you know people couldn't go out and do the things that you did as an owner or ralph or who, whoever it would be um i mean it was great to have you guys back then like i mentioned at the beginning of the show you and herm graf and ralph wissing and drivers you know <clears throat> owners like you guys that you know you never knew almost from week to week who was going to be in the car it was it was always <laughs> interesting you know um, you guys kept life interesting. How did all that come about? I mean, you know, was it was it always the driver coming to you, or did you go to the driver? I mean, how did that? How did all of those situations play out? Because you you had a, um, you know, a pretty well a rotating seat for a number of years there. <clears throat> well, usually I figured that anybody walking through the pits with a uh, with a helmet could drive better than I could. <laughs> so, well, that's a good place so, to start, right? <laughs> a lot of times it, we'd take the car to the track with the idea that I was going to drive it, and then somebody else would, would show up that needed a ride that I knew was, was better shoe. So, hey, jump in, see if it fits. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, that was that was kind of how it went along. It, it, it uh we were just out there to see what we could what we could do, and I figured I was better behind the wrench than I was behind the seat or in the, behind the steering wheel. Right. And uh, so that was that was basically it. It I enjoyed driving, but it didn't take me long to figure out I wasn't real good at it. <laughs> well, yeah, but again, back then, I think even those who weren't necessarily real good at it, it was still reasonable enough that they could just they could go have fun and again like i said not you know you didn't have to necessarily remortgage your house to go out and play you know um it, it now obviously with the cost of everything it's harder to you know for the for the sort of novice driver or hobbyist driver just out to have a good time to go out and have a good time because everything is very expensive now back then it just didn't seem that way well, I don't know. I think I can remember a couple of times spending the mortgage payment no. to, to keep it, <laughs> to get the race car to the track. That wasn't my smartest move, I'm sure. But uh, I, uh, I always overstretched the finances. I'm, I have bitter memories of that. <laughs> I remember Ronnie Wallace getting the top five for you one night. I think that was in '77, actually, when you know, his second we, tour with it. He did it uh, a couple of times. He did it in 74 and 77, I think. Mm. Uh, okay. I'm trying to th- think if he – maybe 78, too. Um, that We didn't have the money to run weekly, uh, I think, in 78. So 
I got the bright idea to just show up on the uh, for the big races, the long races. Okay. Um, the uh, like the Midsummer Champ race and stuff like that. I think he got a fifth in that. Isn't that where Jerry Buskey came into the picture in '77 or '78? Was it '78 for Jerry? Because I know he drove no, for you a little was, bit before. He was he in '75. Oh, was he that early? Okay, '75, okay. '76, right in that area. Because I know you had Red Barnhart back, and then back in that '75, '74, '75 time frame too. Red came back and drove for you a little bit. Yes, he did. Yeah, that, that was '75. Cool. That was neat to see old Red come out of retirement and drive, <laughs> um, and he. He did okay for you. He did. He he ran well with that car. We uh, we broke a, a magnesium wheel one night, and he got it into the fence coming out of two really hard, and it just it it wiped that poor thing out. And we were out quite a while getting that thing fixed. Wow. Yeah. And had nothing to do with him. It was not his fault, even slightly, but uh, equipment failure and. He didn't seem to be all inclined to jump back in it again. <laughs> well, you know what that reminds me of, and we're skipping way ahead in time here. We can come back. But um, they had, uh, gosh, I don't even remember what year it was, but they they had the winner's invitational deal. And y- you you had had the newer car by then, and Red got in the car for the winner's race. And I remember he, it was obvious he was, you know, nervous. Uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't get it up to, to much speed, and he, he came into the pit area, and it was at least the perception I had from watching from the grandstand. He didn't even make it back to your pit. Like, he just sort of stopped and got out, walked away. <laughs> yeah, was, he said he wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that car that was the time when Joe Piano was driving, and okay. he was getting it around pretty good. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's what that, that reminded me of is is you know, was almost Red was just very tentative by that point. But you know, you get obviously he was older and hadn't raced in a while, and you know, it was just <laughs> neat he, to see him get back in the car at all. But he was he was such a super nice guy, though, man. You couldn't ask for yeah a, a more fun guy to work with. Well, you had and, a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, it was just fun. It was more fun, I think, back then. Yeah, I mean, you know, because you could just put somebody else in the car. Do you have a particular story or two or memory or two about uh, about that time period that that sticks out in your mind? Well, I I can remember uh, a lot of stories. There was there was some fun stories. I remember when we uh, put Gary Yule in the car. Oh, I don't remember him driving for you. Yeah. Yeah, he got a, a top 10 with that car and came back with the same story. If you put an engine in this thing, I could win with it. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed to be a unanimous verdict. <laughs> What's that? Seemed to be a unanimous verdict. <laughs> <laughs> you, needed a, you needed a motor sponsor back then. Oh, yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, that would have helped. Um, that's interesting. How did, how does that come about? Was that Gary's first time in the super? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. He had been running, uh, uh, modified. Yeah. And, um, honestly, I, I don't remember. I think he was just in the pits and standing there looking at it. And it might've been one of those situations when, when I was supposed to drive it again too. I don't know. 
Interesting. And anybody with a pulse was going to do better than I could. But. <laughs> well, you gave so many guys the opportunity to a number of drivers, at least the first super. <clears throat> um, you know, I think Sean Shanahan was that was his first super ride, right? And uh, yeah. You know, and, and Gary, if he was in that group, and, and you had Jerry Buskey, I think that was his first. Johnny Barker later, Leroy Herbert. I mean, Jay Andrews, the, the list goes on of, of sort of the the rookies that you've had in that you had in your car over the years. Um, yeah, and some of them came with some money and, and uh, to, to help put the thing on the track. Sure. And that that was a lot of it in, in, uh, in, in quite a few circumstances. When, and that was, you know, again, that was that's part of the fun for the fans, and 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 it goes back to the the time period that we were in, you know, with you and and with Herm. You never knew who was going to be in his car either, and and the same with the uh, the fifty nine. I mean, you know, and and you get a guy like George Kent or you know Brian Osgood or or somebody that come came along and and you know, all right, well, we've driven a modified, but they've never driven a super, and now they're getting in the super, and it's it was cool to see those things and it's always interesting when something good happened i always enjoyed seeing you guys as underdogs do well and um you know that was uh that was a that was an interesting time i mean you you had a lot of personalities you know those guys were great i mean ronnie was a great guy jim gray was awesome um we had jim on a show a couple of weeks ago and you know i've known jim forever because he used to work with my dad at the at niagara mohawk and, you know, it was great to reminisce with him. And he talked about, you know, racing your car and said, man, I wish I could have done better for him. And, you know, um, but I can remember him, especially on Classic Weekend, the one year, I think it was 77, that he was in it. Um, you know, just a, a a cool period of time. And um, then as the offsets kind of came in and you built that that car that, that Joe drove. Um, and then I think you had what? who Dean Hogue, I think, was yeah. in it as well. Dean and drove it, yeah. Johnny Barker, and that was the one that you kind of went forward with for for a good long time, right, until you built the one built the one with the sprint car tail. Wasn't that – or yep. was there a car? Okay. <clears throat> yep. Okay. Yeah, so you had that car for quite a while. Whatever happened to that car? That's uh, uh, been made street legal, and it's on the uh... – it's it's uh, down in Florida. Uh, fellow by the name of Dave Hollinger owns it. Oh wow! Okay, he's the one that owns the old champagne car too. Okay, the 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 uh, the one with the little roof on it. That <clears throat> right? I think. Okay, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's as a cool. matter of, as a matter of fact, when they got that car, the champagne car, uh, done, they took it to Orlando Speedway, and uh, they used the old sixteen as a push car. No way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a super being pushed by a super. <laughs> that Doug Heveron was driving the eight ball, and uh, Hollinger was driving the sixteen, and uh, that's that's how they push started it. That's funny. Wow. And the funny thing of it is that car's got a whole lot more engine in it now than it ever did when I owned it. <laughs> Now, who would have thought of that application for an outdated super? Maybe we could get some more people to make them street legal, and then instead of having a bunch of push trucks, you just have a bunch of old supers pushing the cars. That's that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you. I mean, you had you in you just you had quite a career as an owner, and and I know 
you enjoyed the driving part, even though you you know you like to talk about anybody could have run better than you. You got to drive, which I'm sure was a thrill for you. What did you enjoy more? I mean, I understand you felt like you were a better owner, but did you actually enjoy driving more? You just didn't feel like you were able to perform uh, well enough to keep doing it, or actually, I liked designing them and building them better than any part of it. Okay, I, that's. Uh... That's where my true love really was. But uh, that, uh, you know, of course, that's always a part-time deal when you're when you're struggling along, trying to make ends meet, raising a family and all of that. You're, right. You, you don't get to do it as much as you'd like. Sometimes two or three o'clock in the morning, you're out there when everybody else is asleep in the house and <laughs> you're yeah. struggling away on building a new car or something. It, uh, I have a lot of memories of that. But you really, you really enjoyed your time, and I know that you've still obviously got family involved, and I want to talk about that too. But before we get there, I want to go down the path of you've restored a number of cars, and, and you've, you've still got cars that you're in the process of. Um, oh, yeah. So you're still able to sort of feed that need of of – I guess you're not building them from scratch, but you're, you know, you're restoring them. So you kind of have that tinkering um, it, it's still going on. Talk about some of the cars that you've done and some of uh, what you've got now. I know you were, you told me you were working on an Indy car. Yeah. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm about uh, three or four feet from it right now. Okay. Looking at it. <laughs> um, it's um, a 1958 uh, Eddie Kuzma chassis that uh troy rutman done uh drove and it was uh an agaganian number 98 oh wow and uh agaganian and rutman had won indy back in 52 and they were trying to put the whole magic back together and they had a brand new car built and uh it uh it really didn't work that well and uh they wound up missing the show with it because it uh, just wouldn't handle oh wow and uh, eventually, uh, it uh, sorted itself out and um, became uh, super modified, I think, in the, well, it had to be the late 60s. There was a fellow out of Rochester named uh, John Schubert. I remember his name from programs. I never <clears throat> saw him race, but. And he had a couple of different drivers in it. I, I know that George Boss was was uh one guy that drove it okay and it was a uh, red and white number 33 at that time i think it wasn't that the car that tommy leeson started in no i don't well he might have i don't know yeah, I um he, i, I don't remember that he did i remember that tommy had another old indy car that um that he had bought from somebody down in the southern tier okay uh, um, I thought that was his first car or her first ride, but, uh, Schubert might've put him in it. So, um, I just remember him being in the 33 and I thought I remembered seeing in the program somewhere that that was how he started and then eventually bought the car and went racing as the 97, but which I think the car he had was the old Jack Emin <coughs> 27. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's the one he yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, now, this was the same exact color as that blue is that uh, Leeson's car when uh, when Bill Crosby bought it from Schubert. 
Huh. He pa- he painted it that same color blue. Okay. And it was uh, number 25. Okay. And uh, it when they converted it to a super modified, they didn't have any of the original running gear or suspension. So they um, they put a rear end out of a modified in it uh, with the white five wheels and the housings and everything. And they had uh, trailer bars, uh, you know, load leveler bars off a resitch. Okay. They had those for the rear suspension. Wow. Yeah, and it was about three times the spring rate that it should have been to, to ever work. <laughs> and uh, they had a pretty good-sized big block Chevy stuck in there, and it, uh, it the thing was just a spook. It would uh, go into the corner and push like mad until you hit the throttle, and the rear end would break loose and try to spin you out. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and uh, nobody could make it work, and uh, Crosby tried hard, and he finally walled it. I think uh, it was practice in the 72 Classic, I think it was, something like that. Okay. And he stuffed it into the fence down between one and two and just twisted the frame so badly that it uh, it was never going to run again, and he never did run it again. But... Uh, so you, how do you get a hold of these cars? <laughs> well, I knew he had it. <clears throat> and, uh, well, the story goes back a little bit earlier than that. We, uh, when Ralph McLaughlin and I were together, uh-huh. we wound up um, buying Kemp Dates' old Indy Roadster. Oh, wow. And for parts. And we stripped a lot of the parts off it. Um, to put the 48 together. And uh, when when we got done with it, I put an ad in Speed Sport News for an IndyCar frame. I knew it was an IndyCar, and, uh, but I didn't know what it was and didn't much care. I just wanted to make a couple bucks off of it. Right. And uh, so I wound up selling it to a guy that answered the ad, and... Uh, I think that was like 79 or 80, and we're still doing it. We're still together, still uh, still doing IndyCars. Wow. <clears throat> so uh, he found out that I uh, knew where a lot of these old roadsters were, because a lot of them came to Oswego. And he got uh, talking with me, you know, as, as we were making the deal there, and and um, he started showing me pictures of other old Indy cars that he was looking for. And I says, oh, yeah, I know where that one is. So-and-so's got it and stuff like that. And he said, really? So uh, we started uh, for quite a few years. We we were going all over the Northeast, up into Canada and, and whatnot, uh, buying up parts, pieces, chassis of these old Indy cars, which by, the, by that time they were no longer – running at Oswego and no longer worth much of anything to anybody. Right. So uh, we started scooping them up. And this is one of the ones we scooped up along the way. <clears throat> I've had this thing. Oh, I think we've, we bought this one in 80 and I've just had it in storage up until recently when we pulled it out and decided to, to uh, restore it. Wow. So how many of these cars have you done? 
Um, it's somewhere. I know it's over twenty. I just I never kept an accurate wow. track of them, but uh, we started out with the Watson Roadsters first, and uh, did quite a few of them. I th- I think I've done about six, five or six, maybe more of the Watsons. Yeah, it has been more. Yeah, it's more like seven, I guess. That's incredible. And and <clears throat> there's obviously a market, a buyer's market for these. Well, yeah, but the fellow that I'm working with is has got his own museum, and a lot of them ah. uh, that, that I've done are, are still in the museum. He has sold some, and, uh, you know, to keep the whole project moving and, Sure. He's 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 had to sell them, and and there there is a you know some of the high rollers are will spend big money for these cars. Some of these things uh, will go quarter of a million or more. That's amazing. Well, depending on the history of the car sure. and uh, and what kind of a car, um, the some of the Watson cars um, were really front runners, and. Uh, they uh, had some really well-known drivers and stuff like that. And a lot of them came through Jack Conley over in Brighton, Michigan. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, oh, I know Kenny Andrews had one. Um, the uh, the one Jack Greedy got, um, the Harvey Lennox drove for quite a while. We finally bought that from Dave Morton. Back in the late seventies. Okay, yeah, he was the last one to drive that one. And uh, you know, there was just a bunch of stuff. That actually, the one that we got from Morton uh, was one of the uh, Kaiser aluminum, or it was the Kaiser aluminum car that Roger Ward drove, and oh it was one of the leader leader card cars that Watson built. Boy, you've you've had your hands on some real history in, out of Indianapolis. Then, my goodness. <clears throat> that was, I think, the last Indy Roadster that was still racing at Oswego. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, he Didn't Dave drive that in the Classic in 78 or 79, yeah, something did, like actually. that? Yeah, 77 would have been the last time. Now it might have been 78, too, but I remember 77 because he and Swifty were racing in the, uh, in the, uh, the semi. Um I remember that year. And in fact, I think Jim Gray was in it with your car too. Um, and they were, I think they were top three in the, in that. I, I seem to remember that year, but um, yeah, he did. And so that would have been late. And, you know, again, you don't always, I mean, as a young fan, I, there were some of those cars that I didn't realize till later were ex Indy cars. I mean, some of them I knew obviously Bodines and Freddie Graves and, I remember seeing Kenny Andrews one in the programs, but I didn't start going until 73 and he had the other car by then. Um, uh-huh. You know, so like some of them I had to sort of read about to realize. And you're right. That probably would have been the last one that ran. And, and uh, you know, who would have who would have known? I think in fact, I think if I remember right, I think. Did Rick was Rick Batters? Did he own it before or after Dave? I think before. Okay, so Rick was before. Okay, yeah, because yeah. he was from Canada. Also, I remember him having the car, and then I guess yeah. Okay, so Dave would have bought it from him, and yeah, so he would have been probably the last one. Um, it's amazing. What a what a hit! How many of those cars do you have in your shop right now? 
Well, I'm at the body shop, and there's only just the one here now. Okay. But but over uh, at the race shop, I've got probably another half a dozen of them over there. Wow. And now you're redoing the, what is it, the seven, is it the 71? Which Swift car? I know you're redoing one of Nolan's. Which, which? Yeah, it is the 71 car. Okay. Okay. That's the one he won the classic yeah. with. Okay. Um, you're redoing that as well. How did you get a hold of that car to redo it? I got it from uh, Norris McDonald. Oh, okay. And that um, that car became the Flying Five. Yes. Uh, and um, Barry Can bought yep. it from 66. Bali. And then Norris bought it from Barry, right? <clears throat> nope. Uh, Norris bought it from uh, Pat Murphy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Pat Pat had it, and I don't remember the number that was on it then. Oh, but, five. Uh, was that? Would have been the O five. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I because I, I remember, I think Pat drove it a little bit for Norris, too, if I remember. Um, <clears throat> you're, you might be right. Yeah. Norris was I another me- I one remember Pat it. put me in the fence one night with that thing. Oh, he did? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I passed him down the back stretch, and he never saw me. I, I, I went under him going into three, and his, he hooked his left front under my right rear, and I took a I took quite a ride. Oh. <laughs> I got an altitude record, I think. But <laughs> wow! Yeah, Pat was a character. I think he was a mailman. I think, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, you know, so many people, and and you know, the stories connect. So you've got that car. How close to that? How close to being done is is that car? The chassis is all done, and. Um, that that thing took quite a transformation. That went, uh, oh, uh, I think Barry took it over to Showcar, and and they cut the front and rear off of it. Oh, okay. And uh, they uh, made kind of a wedge design out of it, and uh, then they uh, when when uh, Swifty was driving it, it had a a big block that was wet something straight up in the car, and Conky. Uh, Dry sumped it and tipped it. Okay. To try to make it competitive for the the late seventies, and uh, so that's how it was when I got it from Norris, and uh, so I've had to uh, cut the front and rear off of it and uh, go back uh, to putting it all back to the original way that Billy Wright built it. Interesting. Okay. Now, how long How long a process is one of these restorations? I mean, it seems like in some cases it takes years to find all the – because you, you, you guys all want to, whether it's you, I know Paranoster's done stuff and different people, um, you know, Pat York, I think. Um, you know, it, it seems like it takes years in some cases to do it the right way. Right. Well, that car I've been kind of going slowly at. We're only working on it maybe, you know, one night a week or something like okay. that. Just, but we're we're trying to go slowly and get it right. And Billy Wright's actually been a uh, real good help, and his son uh, Bradley has been a great help too. Because um, Billy is ninety six now, still driving yeah. himself around. It's amazing. <laughs> but he, he he remembers it very well. And uh, they've given me a lot of help as to the getting things correct. And uh, 
like I say, we had to completely refabricate the front three feet of the car and the, the back two feet of it. Okay. Because it was, it was totally different than what it was originally. Wow. What? And, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what would be the, what would be a time frame? do you think? Could we see it any time this year? Will it be next year? Um, when I say I, this I, year, I meant 20, not it's 19. It's, it's, uh, I'd love to have it done next year, but uh, my priority right at the moment is going to be this IndyCar. I'm trying okay. to get this thing done for the race at Indy in May. Wow. The uh, fellow that owns it uh, really uh, would love to have it done for them. So more than likely, it might be 21 before we see the Swift car. It could be. Um, if I can get this thing done in May, uh, then I can get right back uh, hammer and tong on the 10 pins. Yeah. Um, and I've got I've got some of the suspension pieces in a machine shop right now getting getting finished up. Very and, cool. And uh, I, I can actually get it rolling as soon as I get those parts back, which I would could be any time. Nice. That's going to be awesome. I love seeing the older cars come back and see them restored. The old timers reunion is always so much fun. And it's, you know, that's always a, a neat time to see some of those older cars. And um, boy, it sure would be nice to, to have, have that car either for old timers or at least for classic, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I know the fans are going to really enjoy it and appreciate it when it, whenever you can get it done. Well, I, you know, what I'm really hoping to, what I really want to do, want to accomplish is have it done for Billy so he can see it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, You know, it just those, it's priceless to see, to see those older cars. And, and, you know, I, I often think that somewhere in Oswego, there ought to be a museum for the, for the supers that, that are getting you know, rebuilt. Um, and you know, it's, it's surprising, honestly, that nobody's ever, nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever had a place to put, you know, to put those because I feel like more and more people are finding them. I mean, you know, you've got some of Jimmy's cars out there. You've got, obviously you got Nolan's, you know, Ronnie Wallace's cars in Weedsport, which is fine, but that's kind of a dirt museum. It's like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, there was actually a museum for super modifieds, and you wonder. I think the old O four is out there somewhere. Um, if I yeah, I had that right. for a while. I sold it several years ago. Okay, yeah, I think there's so that's you know that's floating around out there. Um, I think Pat's working on another Swift. I think it's Pat York that's working on. I think it was the one Leon Weiske had in '74. Um, I know some. Yeah, that, that's that's done. Okay, wow. Nice. See, I'd love uh, to see those cars come to Classic. I think that'd be great to see those. <clears throat> That's uh, Gary Fito has got that car. Oh, okay, right. I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat's got. He's got a couple. I think. Uh, I think is he, he might be doing. I think he's the one that's doing the Albritton. Um, the Gary Albritton Gibson car. I think. Um, All right. I get confused because there's different people that are doing different cars, and I lose track of who's got what. But which one did Dave Iosu have? That's the one I think, and that's I think that's the one Pat's got. It was the gold car from that that Gary had. That was the Gibson car, 
Um, yeah, right. They ran in 74. Right. Yeah. That the, Those cars, um, the the uh, thing that they had going for them was the frames weren't chopped up. Ah, right. Okay. So it's, it's it makes it a little easier because you're basically, you can at least start with the correct chassis. Right. Right. Okay. And uh, that uh, basically just clean them up and, and re- paint them and reassemble them. Yeah. But when you got to start cutting into the frame. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot longer. Sure. Um, you know, and, and it's so, I mean, you know, now that, uh, of course, Kemp Dates has got, they've got his championship car now. And, um, you know, there's so many cars that are out there. It just would be cool to have a place to put them. Um you know where where super modified fans could could enjoy them. You know, and and uh, um, it seems like each year we get one or two more that you know are done or whatever that um, that come out. And um, you know, it'd just be nice to it'd be nice to see them. I mean, I just the preserving the history of the division. Uh, you know, most people don't realize. I mean, I you know living down here where I do. In the Charlotte area, everybody loves the Supers. I mean, I don't, I have never talked to anybody that when I bring up Super Modifieds, their eyes don't get big. And everybody yeah. knows them and everybody <laughs> loves them. Um, but I don't think a lot of people really understand the history of the division or its connection, for example, to IndyCars or the depth of it in terms of how it used to be a huge division all over the country. Like, it... It was, you know, you had supers racing all over the country back in the '60s and early '70s, and then it it just slowly started to die off, um, and and became more of a Northeast Midwest kind of division. Except, you know, and then you, and, and so I don't think a lot of people really understand the history. I think it would be very, uh, I think it would be very popular to to have a place for a lot of those cars. Um, you know, for people to come in, it would be a real attraction if you're coming in for a race at a swig or especially on, you know, classic weekend. I mean, I think people would love to, to, you know, throw a few bucks in to, to go see, you know, those cars. So I wish somebody, I mean, if I ever hit the lotto, that'd be the first thing I would do after, you know, God and family would be, I would love to build that. I think it would be a cool place to, to, to put the cars, um, but, I'd love to see one right at the speedway. Well, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, um, you know, just just have a place where you could, you know, you could you could put everything in in the memorabilia and all of that. Um, my gosh, I mean, the the history of the division is so rich, um, and so many drivers and so much, you know, d- design and innovation and, um, you know, and and now that there seems to be this slowly growing market if you will or slowly growing trend of restoration that's been going on um you know you'd you'd have a a fair number of cars to start it with and then you know each year um even if you could add one i mean you know you'd have a a pretty good pretty good um history after a while and you know would just be so neat i mean i wish you know like the little deuce i know is still out there and you know there's there's so many cars that that you know gosh they're just sitting like you know, put, yeah, I know clean them up and put them out where people can you know enjoy them and remember them and and you know it would be great for these young you know people to 
young fans to be able to appreciate, wow, this car actually raced at Oswego in the 60s and one or whatever, you know. Um, this is where it started, and, you know, this is where we are now. I mean, obviously, the compare and contrast, especially with the aero cars now, is pretty, you know, pretty drastic. Um, but it, it really kind of parallels IndyCar in a lot of ways because, it, you know, as we've been talking about, a lot of the IndyCars drifted into super modifieds, um, you know, during that, that period of time in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, and so the history of super modifieds is not totally unrelatable to the history of indie cars in that sense. True enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's very interesting. Um, so you've well, got, go tr- ahead. Truthfully, truthfully, these, uh, these old roadster frames I'm working on are quite similar to the ones that we're still currently running at Oswego today. Interesting. They're they're all basically a a straight uh, or a space frame tubing space frame. Okay. Now, have you got you've got Swift's car? Do you have other supers that you have there? I've got the the old Flintstone Flyer. Oh that wow! G- that Gibson uh, did so well with in '68. Wow! But but that thing has better history as an Indy car. Okay. That was that was a an old Dean Van Lines car that uh, AJ Foyt drove in '59 at Indy. Finished tenth with it. So is that is that gonna are you gonna restore that as the Indy car or as as the <clears throat> Super? As the Indy car. Okay. Have you got any other cars that you're restoring as Supers? Um. No, we we thought about uh, we thought we had the the old Gordon Dukes car that won the classic in 65. And, and that was an old Curtis craft Indy car that, that had virtually no history at Indy. It, um, it didn't do hardly anything. It was there. It, uh, but didn't do anything. Okay. And, but as a super modified, uh, with Dukes driving it, like I say, it, it won the classic in, in, uh, 65. But, uh, we talked about putting it back together uh, as it ran in 65, but uh, we uh, just didn't have the time to do anything with it. So the guy I'm working with sold it, and there's a collector down in uh, New Jersey that has it now, and he's got it almost uh, back to being restored as an IndyCar. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, other other Supers, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of too many that uh, are still floating around out there. Okay. Well, um, but at least you got the Swift one. And, of course, I know you have your old uh, uh, mid-'70s car because we saw that, uh, what, last year, I think, uh, right? At the year, was it this year? Um, time goes so quick, I can't remember. You brought <laughs> it, it was last year. Last year, okay. Yeah, at the uh, old-timers reunion. Um, and that Two part- weeks later, we took that to Pocono, too. That's awesome. What was that like? Oh my God! <laughs> that is that track is so much fun to drive. I bet. <laughs> it, uh, it, I've driven it before in an Indy car, but uh, never in a in a super. And the uh, there's a vintage club that uh, is getting bigger and bigger that uh, drives a lot of these older cars uh, at these Indy car events, and uh, that was that was what we took it down for. Okay. And uh, 
That, that was just so much fun. How fast can you go on at Pocono in a in a seventies super modified? Well, you're talking about interesting stories. That was that was interesting. They told us to keep it at 140. Oh. And you know, there's no speedometers in these things, right? How do you know? <laughs> well, the the fellow that is running this whole vintage deal has Jeff Bodine's old uh, rear engine car, right? And he has it all restored as to, back to the way it was at Indy. Yeah, that was at the Classic a couple of years ago as well, because uh, <clears throat> I remember talking to the guy, Mon, Mon, Gary Montine? Mon? Yeah, Monshine. Monshine, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, he uh, he was on the track with me, and he always really, he's got a heavy foot. He gets right into it. But nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to give him a hard time about speed limits, because he's running the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I could hear him behind me. I heard him... Back there, about that thing just blats. It's got a uh, one of those dual overhead cam Ford's V8s in it, and it just it really makes a racket. And so I could I could hear him back there, and uh, so finally I decided to pull down just a little bit and give him room to get by. And I figured if if he gets by, I'll just follow in behind him, and I can get away with anything. Sure. And uh, that's the way it worked. Well, my wife was up in the uh, scoring tower, and they had a they had a uh, radar gun on us. And um, the guy that was uh, running the show up there asked her how fast she thought I was going, and she said, "Well, I don't have any idea." But you know, he got in trouble last year in an Indy car for <laughs> going one forty seven when he was supposed to keep it down to one forty. And the guy's laughing like hell. He says, well, he's going quite a bit more than that now. <laughs> I, <clears throat> she, she says, well, how fast? And he says, well, he's he's well up over 160. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. That, that, that thing felt so good, man. That was just like, that was like an old friend. On the tri-oval, 160. Oh, that was, I could have gone a lot faster than that. But the wind... See, we didn't put a windshield on it. It never had a windshield when we were racing it, right. so I never thought anything right. about it. Sure. At at that speed, my head was getting buffeted so badly by the wind. It uh, I was trying to pull my head down, tuck the helmet down behind the steering wheel and stuff. It was wow. just awful. I thought I was going to put my lights out a couple of times. I was getting banged around so hard. I, I couldn't hold my head straight. Wow. <clears throat> so I, I had to back off a little bit. It makes but, you uh, wonder, though, if you put one of the current supers on that track, how fast would it go? I mean, if you were doing <laughs> 160 and saying you had more in a 70s design, what would today's super modified do at Pocono? Wow. I, I'm not sure. Down the straightaways, that, that might not work out that well. Why do you, that, why do that's you got that? the longest straightaway of any racetrack ever. That front stretch, yeah, and uh, it it is so so much of a arrow problem. You you have to get down away from the uh, the wall, the outside wall, and and that front straightaway because it the wind will buffet you so badly. Wow, but it just makes you wonder because in theory, those cars today's cars <clears throat> would certainly go. They'd be more suited. I mean, you know, the, with the aero design right i mean or 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 not 
I I would imagine that the divorce would be so terrific that it wouldn't work that well. Ah, interesting. It, uh, it, I think the problem would be in the straightaways, not in the corners. Okay, okay. Wow, it's just it's just amazing. I mean, what a thrill to be able to take a car that you built all those years ago and go and 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 drive 160 plus on an on the nascar track i mean what an amazing thrill that must be for you <laughs> it was the ball <laughs> i bet yeah you just you couldn't wipe the grin off my face <laughs> well i was and that's it now i i want to know how big the grin was on the wife's face though when she found out how fast you were going <laughs> is what I, I, I thought i was going to get my butt chewed, but she was really cool about it oh, really? she says you she says you look great out there <laughs> wow. oh, boy. And, and she used to be at a scorer at the swigo and she was the main reason i quit driving she says you're just awful. You've got to get off the track. <laughs> Don't you love a wife that doesn't mince words, Steve? <laughs> wow. That's great. She, she says, when you're on the track, we're always looking for the, the black flag That's for funny. any reason. That's <clears throat> funny. She says, why do the tires always squeal in the corners when you're out there? <laughs> gosh honey thanks for the encouragement (laughs) now um talk about talk about you you obviously you know kelly raced your kids and now you've got uh a grandkid racing talk a little bit about to actually got two right yeah i got two of them racing yeah yeah, you said I've gotten out of racing. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of where I was. You know, you've you've been you've gotten out of it as as a team owner. You know, the way that you were in the super. Um, and of course, we haven't gotten to 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 the. the I want to get to talk about the night that you actually got the win in the super. But uh, talk about the 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 grandkids and what that's like to actually be able to do <clears throat> this with with family. It's it's a it's a thrill. It's a real kick in the pants. I love helping them. Yeah. And uh the uh the I get to do the setups. They they want me to do the setups on the car. The uh and that's that's kind of neat. That's that's a kind of a feather in my cap so to speak. Of course. Yeah. It uh, um, the fact that my grandkids think enough of me to, <laughs> Grandpa, you do the setup. <laughs> yeah, you've got two. One of them is in the street stocks, right? Uh, you got one in the street stocks, and then, or, or are both of them? Well, the Griffin um, now has a sponsor that bought him a uh, a, a small block. Okay, because I know and, he made his debut at uh, Evans Mills. Um, yes, yeah, he uh, he well. drove uh, one of Travis Barton's yeah. cars at Evans Mills, and and I swear, that kid looked like he was a seasoned veteran. He held his line so well, finished third, and That's uh, awesome. his teammate was in second. And I think if he could have gotten by him, he might have won it. That's awesome. It, it was, and I mean, there was there was some good cars behind him. And he just drove away from it. Nice kid. I I got to meet him. Uh, he came up to test the uh, super stock, and I got to meet him. Nice kid, and and uh, awesome to see that he's gonna run at Oswego. I'm sure that'll be quite a thrill for you to to be able to see that. Um, and then you've got uh, another one as well, right, Stephen? 
Yep, yep, got my namesake. He's we're actually there's a three fifty super right here at the body shop now that we're putting together for him. Wow. Now which what's the history on that car? That was Tim Guru's old car that uh, my son Kelly had. Ah, okay. Okay. So you would know it last as the black eighty one. Yeah. Okay. I remember that car, sure. Wow, so you're gonna have two of them at a swigger <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the plan, I guess. That's awesome. Well, we'll we'll see if it happens. <laughs> hope, hope for wins for both of them. I I, I think that would be amazing. And I, I I've saved this kind of for last because uh, this obviously was kind of a watershed, your high water moment. Uh, and I, gosh, I I I I remember so clearly being in my house. Uh, I wasn't able to get up there, but. You know, being in my house and being able to 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 see that and see the I mean, I was in tears when Dave took the checkered flag and, and you know, it was it was just one of those like because I just knew like how many years and how much time and effort you'd put in over all those years and to to finally have that reward that must have just been beyond incredible for you to to experience that talk a little bit about that race it was i think that was one of those nights we couldn't do anything wrong and and we tried (laughs) (laughs) we tried (laughs) it uh i remember i can't tell you how many times i've outguessed myself and said well i gotta change the, the chassis, I got to, I got to mess with the uh, the wedge or the stagger or something like that, and 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 that night, I think it was after the heat race, um, and we won the heat, and uh, but I was I was looking at the angle on the rear torsion arms, and I'm going, man, that thing is not going to work with a full load of fuel, that is just going to be way too low. We got to go over, we got to take it over to the scales and adjust the chassis up in the back, and. Uh, and keep the, I mean, we were pretty close on the bias. Okay. And uh, it, it was it was working well, but I says, man, we got to get it up there. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm going to screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we first went out for the feature, I, uh, I remember thinking to myself uh, and watching the car, and um, I think it was Mo Lilji started on the pole. Okay. And. Um, Dave dropped back several car lengths for, for, for that little warm-up period they have before they drop the green. And uh, then next thing I know, the gap disappeared. He chased him down and was all over him before they threw the caution. Oh, my. And I went, oh, my God, I think there might be a new sheriff in town. Yeah. And, <laughs> and of course, that, that Ender's engine that uh, – Fred Gormley bought and put in that car was just, just a monster. It was just, just screaming. And, uh, it, it, you know, it was, it's all pretty well in history from there. Dave, uh, started on the outside and, and just powered away, but he was working so well on the corners. That thing was just sailing around the ends. Wow. And, uh, he figured out early on that uh, there was there's a lot of turbulence out there and uh, and the, and they're all pretty aero dependent with the with the wings on them. Yeah. So he said it, it works so well in the high groove. He just 
left it out there. And uh, he could pass anybody he wanted to on the outside, especially at between three and four. Wow. But, Amazing. Uh, then uh, I think we got up to about lap 25, and he was he was lapping 10th place by that time. And, uh, and then there was a, a red flag. And uh, after that, um, oh, I can't think of the guy that was running second then. Um, phew. I don't remember Wait. who it was either. Mind, mind blank. Uh, red car, Hawk chassis. Um, Randy Ritzkus drove for him after that. Uh, oh, was that, uh, uh, oh gosh, a red, uh, was it, lock, was it the lock car? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. He was, he was running second and he was starting to close the gap on us. And, uh, I was, I was, I was starting to get a little nervous sir, for a while because he closed it up pretty good. And, uh, then uh, then I started noticing that he was frying his tires, catching us. Ah. And and Dave was just holding a good, steady groove and just being just fast enough. And uh, by the time Locke caught us, his tires were gone, and he looped it coming out of two. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and I think uh, there was seven laps to go at that point. And uh, on the restart... Um, Johnny Benson was in second place then. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's over. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> He's in one of the Litke cars, and uh, yeah. here, here's a NASCAR guy that had won NASCAR races, <laughs> had won the NASCAR Truck Series Championship, and he's start, starting right behind us. It's done. Oh. <clears throat> and uh, Dave just put the hammer down and just motored away from him. And in seven laps, he had pulled a full straightaway um, gap on him. That's amazing. And I'm going, wow. I think on the on the next to last lap, he turned the quickest time of the whole race. That's incredible. I mean, what what were you thinking at that point? Like, what what were you what was going through your mind? You had to know. I mean, there's two laps left. We're we're gonna win this thing. Well, yeah, well, that was what Randy Ritzkus was doing. He was jumping up and down and trying, <laughs> you're going to win, you're going to win. I said, Randy, would you shut up and go away? You're going to jinx the whole thing. <laughs> so you didn't want to let yourself think about it. <laughs> well, we've been in that position so many times. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, we, we've we led races and blown up. And right. uh, I can think of two races that uh, well, one race was up at Stafford when Kelly was driving the car. Okay. We were uh, we were leading it. I think we led the most laps of the whole race, and then right toward the end, it blew up. Ah, okay. <clears throat> Broke a rod, and that was it. Went right through the block, and Ooh. well, if you're going to do uh, it, <laughs> you know, if you're going to blow a motor, you might as well make it big. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that was a mess. Wow! But and that had happened time and time again. We uh, we run, run well and break, run well and break. We were leading the race at Winchester and broke a front wheel just after taking the lead. Ugh. You know, on and on and on. That was Paul White that did that. Okay, that car and, was uh, a really good car with a wing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, it's no good without the wing. It, yeah. uh we tr- we tried it and it just it it. Uh, it, it, it was just too wide a body to uh, 
be of, of any use. But, but what a night. I mean, that's, I mean, to finally take the checkered flag, what, when you finally saw the flag, what, what were you thinking about? <clears throat> At that particular moment in time, he was lapping Jason Spaulding. And I'm thinking, oh, no, Jason's going to wreck us after we take the checkered. (laughs) (laughs) Hope Jason doesn't hear this. We're going to win it, but I'm going to have to fix it. Oh, boy. (laughs) But uh, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) But that was what was going through my mind. Wow. So at what point did you allow yourself to finally breathe and say, we won this thing? I don't. I don't think it. It really soaked in until the the next day, and I didn't get much sleep that night. I, uh, I was I was trying to, but my wife woke me up at four o'clock in the morning, pounding on me, screaming, "We won! We won!" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I says, yeah, I realized that. Dear, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was hours ago, honey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. It was just, just such a great, great feeling. But it was a great feeling for for all the guys on the crew. Too. Absolutely. I mean, we've had so much help in in uh, over so many years, and been with so many great people, and for it all to finally come together and. And you know, to, to pick a race like the King of Wings race to do it in, of all, yeah, that was special. <clears throat> well, and, and, I mean, after all the years of running the Swigger without a wing, it, it's it's some sort of irony that the first win you get is with a wing, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, the the list of good runs that we had, and then have something go wrong. Yeah, it, it's 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 endless. Yep, yep. And it's uh. But mostly it was because we just didn't have the money for good equipment. Right. Yep. But, you made do with what you had. The uh, I, Fred Gormley had the, the faith in us to uh, buy that Ender's motor and put in there. And, uh, boy, that made the difference. I bet. Yeah. I was stepping up on the chassis as much as I possibly could at that point. And uh, we put a lot of good you know, new parts, good parts on the car, and uh, <clears throat> we're eliminating a lot of the the uh, weak points. And, right. uh, we were finally getting it together. I mean, it's a little frustrating to go out there and run like a rape ape and then see the thing fall apart on you. Oh, of course. Yeah, nobody likes that. That's what's so hard about racing. I mean, and it, it, it can happen through no fault of your own. You know what I mean? Stuff breaks. But um, man, you know what a what a career you've had, and and you're still involved. And and again, you know, I talk all the time about boy the 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 generational history at Oswego Speedway and in the super modified division. I know of no other division that that just offers the depth of that. You know, and and again, classic example. Now you've got two grandsons. You're, you know, Kelly raced at Oswego. Um, did Joe race ever race at Oswego? I don't know. Did he? Oh, Joe, yeah. Joey won okay. the Superstock Championship one year. That's with his right. Car. Yeah, that's right. But he never raced. He never raced a Super though. Yes, he did. Did he? Okay. Yes. As, as a matter of fact, he drove that car that won the King of Wings. Ah, okay. All right, because there was a period back then where I wasn't able to to get up there as much as I can as I am now, so I kind of lost a little bit of the history in that time. But um, so both of your your sons raced your car, and now your grandsons 
are are racing there. Uh, well, here, here's here's the best part of it. That, that 350 we're putting together. Yeah. My Kelly and my grandson both said that they wanted to uh, have the same body that the uh, the uh, King of Wings car did. Oh, that's awesome. So and they want the 16 on it too. So it's going to be the blue 16 with that old roadster style body on it. That's awesome. I mean, that's you know, and again, it's that's why I love the 350 class. I mean, we saw the McLeods bring out the 81, and it was you know the same basic. It wasn't an exact match of of Ron McLeod's last Super, but it was the same basic white and blue. Um, and uh, now you're you know we've got the Joe Paino retro with barry kingsley and now your your uh scheme will come out and you know it's it's really amazing the way that class has worked out that you know people are choosing to sort of pay homage it's almost like a throwback division and and uh i love that i think that's great and it'll be um it'll be so much fun to see both of your uh your grandsons out uh in 2020 and um hopefully uh Nothing but good things for all of you because you deserve them. And we, you know, I, I know I can speak for myself and everybody else that's going to listen to this podcast when I s- say thank you for all of the uh, the years of, of time and, and effort and money and, and, you know, just hard work that you put in. Um, you know, we obviously those of us who grew up in the 70s at, at the track remember you very well. And, of course, everybody since. But um you know, it, it's is so much a part of our lives and yours too. And it's it's always been the friendships that have meant more to me in this sport than anything else. And it's um it's a real thrill for me to be able to uh sit back and talk to you know, to you and to some of the drivers from back then. I mean, you guys I know you weren't a driver, but as an owner you you know, you, it was it was sort of a larger than life thing, you know, back then, and, and you guys were heroes. So, uh, very cool. Very, very well, cool. without the fans, we wouldn't be doing it. You know well, that. Well, that's true, and that's. But you're the reason the fans are there, and so uh, thank you, and thank you for taking so much time out of your day today to uh, sit and reminisce and tell some stories. And I feel like we could go another hour with talking about all the drivers you've had and just kind of getting you to reminisce a little more. And maybe uh, at some point down the road, we'll get you back on and do some more, but we've had a blast, Steve. It's been so much fun and I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Great. Hey, I got one more story. If you got the Please, time. Absolutely. All right. Um, back in 79, when I was driving for Ralph. Yeah. Um, we raced a lot. Uh, I was running about in the same place that in the same position as uh, Ron Gapsky was. He had yes, uh, he had that last Swift car. He did, yeah. And uh, of course, Ron used to give me a hard time. He'd say, "Hey, man, you let everybody go by until until I get there, and then you want to race." I said, "Yeah, I can beat you." <laughs> <laughs> so we were. And I don't even remember what race it was, but uh, I, I remember it was a it was a big race. It was a, it was a seventy five lapper. Okay. And um, I didn't qualify in the heat, so we had to run the Concy. And um, unbeknownst to me, Gavsky had uh, gotten out of his car. Uh, Sip, Chuck Siprich uh, was driving Port for Ron City. Buckner. It was the Port City? Was it Port <clears throat> City race? I think. Yep. Well. 
they had made some changes to that 51 car. Yes. And, and uh, put Sipperidge in the car. I had no idea he was in it. Well, I started next to him on the outside of him um, in that Conci. And uh, we went on the first lap, we went into that third turn, and I went right with him. I said, eh, I can take gaps, be going into three, no sweat. Sippridge took me into that corner so deep, I thought I was going to wind up in Scriba. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get so fast all of a sudden? <laughs> he made the race. I didn't. I bet. <laughs> and I'm sitting there sulking in the pits and really mad at myself for not being able to to, uh, to get in there. And uh, I said, I can't believe Gapsby beat me. And they said, that wasn't Gapsby. That was Sippridge driving. So I felt a lot better. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, well, that's why. <laughs> yeah, Ron was another one that was. He was a great guy, and you know. But look, I mean, and again, you know, he gave it the best shot he had. But you know, yeah. he really. And and when you'd see Sipperich get in that car, Ronnie Wallace got in it a, a few times for him. Um, obviously, the car ran a lot better, and once uh, the Wallaces got it. And Ronnie Madison had some really good runs in that car. Um, and, you know, it just, uh, but, but again, those are fun times. And, and yeah, I can imagine that was a big surprise. Like, how, where did this come from? And, and uh, you know, then you find out it was Sipprich. It's like, oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> yeah, he was fast in the feature. The car broke, I remember. But he was, he would have been probably seventh, eighth, um, you know, if, if, if he'd finished and um you know so it, it showed that the car had it in it but you know you, like anything else you have to know how to feed back and what to tell somebody to fix or whatever and uh, well that was almost as good as him getting in uh in hermy graf's car oh yeah and and he finished third, third. that yeah I remember that. I, I mean, too. he gave that car such a ride. I was standing next to Hermie, and I thought Hermie was going to have heart failure. That's funny, because <laughs> I remember reading about that, and I have the program from the following week where I talked to him. Uh, Jim Ferlito, I think, was writing at the time, and Jim said something about people telling him that Hermie actually fell off the trailer a couple times during that race because he was so excited. It's like, you know, but that's it. I could just picture Hermie, you know, and I could picture him doing that too. Um, but again, you know, there's another example of a car owner that. Good grief, he had so many different drivers in that car over the years. And, and you know, again, the intersection, you know, Ronnie was, Ronnie drove for you, uh, you know, and I think the last time in 77 and drove, that was his last ride, full, you know, classic ride anyway, it was with Herm. Um, you know, so it, it just was, it, it was such a magic time back in those days. Um, you know, that these guys could have these opportunities and you guys uh, extended them and, and were able to to uh, really have some fun and, and enjoy yourselves um, and, uh, you know, and make it so much fun for the fans, too. And that that that's what comes across the most when I think of the Sweet 16. Um, you know, I can just go right across the years and all the different drivers and different moments I remember. And, um, you know, I do remember you, Ralph, I don't know if you, you probably know Ralph, Ralph's family lived kitty corner to, to my family. They, they, we were neighbors. Um, so when Ralph bought the car, uh, 
I was like, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I knew Ralph so well, and he was a great guy, and uh, his whole family was was great. And <laughs> so that was he's fun. still a great guy. I he saw is. Him. Yeah, I haven't I, seen him in I saw forever. him last month. <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't seen Ralph in a long time, but yeah, that was that. Those were fun times, and and Ralph was another one that had a number of different drivers in his cars, and and you know, um, it it just. But again, you could you could just go and be a part of it and not be completely out to lunch. You know, back in those days, now it's just so expensive to even, you know, even go play that it, it's just, it's hard. That's why I love the new 350 class. And I'm really hopeful that that will be the sort of resurgence of, you know, the, 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 the driver who, you know what? I want to try a super at Oswego. I can't do the big thing, but I can do this. I can, you know, I can afford this, um, you know, and that maybe eventually some of those drivers will make their way up into the to the big class. Um, I just have very high hopes for that division. I do, too. My my grandson's still in the Army. He's stationed on the West Coast. So oh, he's got wow. He, he's only going to be uh, sporadically okay. here to, to do it. Wow. But wow. Um, every time he can get leave, he'll be back here running it. And that's the plan anyway. Oh, that's awesome! Well, God bless him for his service. And you've got uh, you're you're going to have your other grandson in the uh, in the in the uh, SBS uh, division. So you know you're you're at least going to have um, one there, hopefully weekly or you know close to weekly anyway. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll uh, he's going to be in the uh, the uh, super stock as well. Oh, okay, good, cool. Well, that's. Uh, That'll be uh, that'll be great too, and then when they come back next classic, at least I hope the track brings it back. Um, <laughs> you know that was a great show. Um, you know then he'll get to he'll get to race. But uh, well, again, Steve, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, and we hope that um, if we don't catch up with you again before uh, the holidays, which are <laughs> rapidly approaching here, um, we wish you Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all of that, and uh, look forward to seeing you around the track next year. Well, uh, same to you. Uh, wish you all the best, and uh, thanks very much for giving the call. All right, that is Steve Miller, and we will be back right after this with Camden Proud. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode 23 and Camden Proud, the PR director and 2019 Swigo Speedway Super Modified Rookie of the Year has joined us now. And uh, after that marathon hour plus interview with Steve Miller, which just was incredible. I mean, the history that he has seen not only at the Oswego Speedway, but through restoring all the old Indy cars, all of that. Just fascinating um, and and a, a, a really fascinating gentleman to talk to. Um, now we talk uh, about two things, Super Dirt Week and also about uh, the Thompson race that uh, has just gotten 
wrapped up this weekend as well. Um, first of all, Camden, welcome back to the show. And I know that you were all about Super Dirt Week this weekend. And um, I all I can say is from a distance, uh, what racing I was able to see and looking at the the size of the crowd and the car count and all that, it sounds like it was just an amazing weekend. One day of rain, but you got everything in. Um, it just uh, seems like, for the most part, everything went pretty well. Everything did go really well. You know, we, we really enjoy having this event here every year. We're very lucky to have it here. And, you know, for the most part, things were outstanding. The car counts were record-setting, and we had... I believe three out of four were first-time winners at Super Dirt Week, so it was overall a really good event, and we're working on a long-term deal and hope to have it here for many years to come, but this week I'm enjoying the change of pace and relaxing a little bit after a week. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll 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 do a week or two of that, and then you'll start going through withdrawals and be ready oh, for yeah. the season again, because <laughs> you're young. Uh, when you get when you get up there a little more, then uh, you'll start to enjoy more time off. But um, you know, yeah, that it sounded like and and looked like it was just a banner weekend for crowd and uh, car count. And you know, again, I I uh, I am looking, I am trying so hard to be able to, and I'm really, I've already got it marked off next year. Um, to come up there for Super Dirt Week. I've never been to any of the Middle Swigo and am dying to get up there and experience one. So I'm hoping that if I just set it aside now, um, that uh, I'll be able to get up next year because I just, you see pictures, but I want to experience it in person and really just see what the Speedway turns into because there are so many different you know, you got race cars all over the place and you got, you know, got, you know, different, um, you know, signs and all of that. Like it's a whole different, uh, logistical setup than what we're used to, obviously for even classic weekend. Well, it really is. And it's just truly special the the transformation and how organized dirt car is, how quickly it all takes place, the track prep crew maintenance, everybody that's involved. It's just amazing to see, and, and for somebody like you and me who grew up in Oswego, it's it's a surreal transformation. It's still surreal after four years, and lucky me, I get to walk a half a mile, and all of this is going on. You know, it's racing's biggest party right in my backyard, so we're extremely lucky, and I think it's going to keep growing and growing. We're overflowing the 101 sportsmen out onto Albany Street during the week for wow. parking, so it was wild. That's amazing. Well, and see, the thing I love about it, and look, I get that there are fans who it will never be Super Dirt Week ever again because it's not at the mile or whatever. I get it. But at the same time, you wouldn't have 101 sportsmen and growing, I don't think, at the mile. Um, you know, being being that it's a short track, you have all of these cars that can be competitive that wouldn't have been as competitive on the mile. And so there's all that possibility for more people to come in and run and have a chance. And um, I just, that's amazing. 101 sportsmen. I love that class anyway, but it's just, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I can only imagine. That's why I said, I really, I am so um, determined that I want to get up there next year and experience that and just see it in person. Um, 
you know, and, and again, it, the impact that it has not only on the tracks economy, but the, you know, the, the city and the county economy as well over the course of that week um, is is pretty amazing. And it was neat to see, obviously, the vendors like Skip's Fish Fry and some of, um, you know, some of the um, the. The others, um, I know Larry Miller was a part of it this year with uh, GJP Italian Eatery. You right. know, some of the local um, food vendors and such that actually went to the to the track and, and were a part of, of, you know, Vendors Row or whatever you call it. Um, you know, that's, that's a great opportunity for them. Um, and so, you know, to me, it's nothing but good. And to see a guy like Matt Williamson win it, um, you know, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty spectacular, honestly. It is. And, and you make a fantastic point. Even if you don't like racing, this whole super dirt week thing is really good for the city. It's good for Oswego County and it's good for all of our local business owners. And it's nice to see a couple businesses, GJP and skips in particular, that are very supportive to Oswego and super modified also get involved with super dirt yeah. week. And I heard that they both did really well. So that's great to see. And like I said, it's just spectacular to see the transformation. If you've been to a Swiggo at all before in your life, I don't care if it's one time. I don't care if you live in town and, and you just, you know, go when you can. You, you stop in every now and again. You you have to see this. It's it's truly incredible, even if you don't like racing. Yeah. I mean, I that's the thing is, like, I just, I'm as excited just, the visual, you know, let alone the racing itself, you know, I just want to see it. Um, you know, so, uh, pretty spectacular and happy that there was only one day of, uh, moisture and, and that you, you know, everybody was able to get everything in and, and, um, you know, and get everybody back home when they're supposed to be obviously, uh, cause it is a holiday weekend for many, but not for all. Uh, but even the ones that have Monday off, that's, you know, you want them to be able to, travel and be back home on Monday to get back to work or school on Tuesday. So, um, you know, good, good stuff all the way around there. Uh, obviously, um, <clears throat> the, the speedway now shut down, but, uh, gosh, you guys are already looking at next season. What, uh, what, what can we get out of the news department, uh, at the, at Oswego before we move on to, uh, talking about Thompson? Sure, yeah. I mean, we have the banquet coming up next weekend. I just wanted to mention that's that right, really yeah. quick for anybody that's listening and hasn't got banquet tickets yet. We still do have quite a few available. We've signed some music. We're going to do an after party after the banquet's over, over at the Quality Inn and Suites, GS Steamers. So it should be a good time. We're one of the only true racing banquets left in central New York. So I really hope everybody supports it, and we're looking forward to crowning our champions and, and all of that good stuff. But beyond that, we did announce opening day for next year. Century 21 Galloway has signed on to support us again for opening day. So we appreciate them. And it's going to be May 23rd, 2020. And we'll have the Champagne Memorial Twin 50s back as the headliner. What about the 350 Supers? What do you, uh, you anticipate? Are they going to be a weekly division? I know they were, they were kind of an every other week sort of thing this year because it was new. Right. We were actually, I guess I would call them a weekly division. They were there every week, but two. Okay. So, I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be about the same. We'll be off, I think, one night again in August to accommodate Star's big race. Right. And Star is off 
a couple nights to accommodate us. They're off classic weekend. So Perfect. Um, we're, we're happy that we're working with Bobby Weber and, and all those guys out at star and, you know, accommodating one another because that's what we need for this thing to grow. And I, I think it's going to, I, I believe that we're going to have anywhere from 12 to 15 weekly cars next year. And that's, that's pretty big for the second year. Yeah, it is. And, and again, talking with Steve Miller earlier, his grandson, Steven, uh, as often as he can get back from his military duties, uh, is is going to be in uh, Kelly's old car as a 350. And, uh, of course, Steve telling us that um, they are going to paint it up like the, uh, the, the Sweet 16 that uh, won the King of Wings race. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, full retro uh, on that, which is great. So, yeah, I mean, you know, just it's great to see the interest in that division. And it's it's growing about as I hoped it would. I mean, if we can get, you know, to uh, 12 to 15 of them next year and then, you, you know, you get to 15 or 20 the following year. And, you know, it's a it's a growth process. And so far, I've not seen that we've really siphoned anybody out of the big block superclass per se. Um, so. You know, it, it it feels like that's growing just as we hoped it would, and it seems like the small block's growing as well. Um, you know, the the other grandson uh, going to be running a small block next year, from what we understand. The sponsor uh, has come forward and, and bought him a, a small block. Right. So, so um, that's going to be fun. So, you know, again, it looks like both of those divisions are going to grow um significantly for 2020 which is great i really think so and and the thing is slowly both of them are doing what we wanted them to do we're taking some of the limited small block super guys they're getting a chance to run a super modified in the 350 class you have cameron Rowe, like yep. bruce barry kingsley dalton doyle and then back in the small block limited class we have some cart people coming up like Griffin, he's race carts, Griffin, he's running yeah. super stock. Yeah. Then you have Robbie Bruce, who's going to give it a shot. I've heard a few other names involved. So it's it's going to take some time, but patience is a virtue, and it's it's going to work out. I'm, I'm very encouraged by what we're seeing. Yeah, it's great. I just, uh, you know, and it's it it feels like in some ways against all odds, and, and that's that's awesome. And so, you know, a lot to be excited about for 2020. And we're just barely through 2019. The banquet hadn't even happened yet. We already have some great stuff to to talk about for next year. But we certainly need to move forward to talk about uh, the Thompson World Series race. And you know what i I was watching, uh, you know, watching social media early on Sunday, and I saw the lineup for for the the feature. Uh, and I kind of looked at it and went, well, you know what? If John McKennedy could ever win this, how amazing would this be? And doggone if he didn't go out and do it. And um, what, a, what an emotional win that was after, you know, just losing his dad to be able to go out and get a win like that. Um, just a, a, a good race, too. And, and I mean, a, a nice turnout of cars. Um, that was a really, really neat deal. It was. I was thrilled for John and, and doing my best to follow along at Super Dirt Week. I really wish I could have been there, obviously, but I'm thrilled for him. I kind of had the same thought as you when I woke up on Sunday and 
was kind of waiting for the redraw. They redrew for starting position, and then I saw that John had a really decent spot. Yeah. And it, it gave him the opportunity. He got out front, and he was clearly on a mission. He just ran away with it and, and for the most part, dominated. So there was a really special picture I posted on the ISMA page the other day. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was just kind of him holding the checkered flag when he got out of the car and, and looking up to the sky as if to say, Dad, we did it. And that was that's yep. just an amazing image, really, really special. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, and, and that's what makes racing so amazing. And it was, that was perfect. It just was a perfect uh, scenario for him to be able to do that and get that win uh, against a really, really competitive field of cars. And, of course, the, the points battle basically coming down to the wire going into that race as well. Yeah, it really did go right down to the wire. And, you know, I'm I'm happy for the Lifty team. Of They've course. supported ISMA, obviously, for a really long time. And that was only their second championship. Yeah. Mike's very dedicated. His father, Brad, obviously very dedicated as well. And same goes for Kyle Edwards. Those guys travel. They put as many miles on as anybody coming from Tennessee. Yeah. Just two very dedicated teams. And I was really happy to see them both battle it out right down to the end. I was blown away by the fact it was only Mike's second title. I thought he'd won a lot more than that. It was amazing when I realized that was only his second championship, and that was such a nip-and-tuck deal between uh, those guys, again, going right into that race that either one of them could have ended up pulling it off. And uh, it was good to see Mike win and and good to see that it was – uh, that much of a close battle going in. Sometimes you don't get that when it comes down to the wire. You got somebody that's basically already got it wrapped up. But, um, you know, in this case, uh, it was neat to see that at least it was in question and, and it went down to the last race. Just a little extra intrigue for, for the World Series race, even though it doesn't need it, <laughs> really. It's just it's that <laughs> right. kind of a race on its own, right? But um, just neat to see the extra little bit of drama that we had going in, uh, wondering who would come out on top of that battle. But, it would, you know, that was a good season for both of those guys. It was, and actually it ended up being a, a good battle, right, for positions one through three in the point standings. Well, that's because true because, yeah. Ordway was Ordway able was to edge Edwards yeah. by one point for, yeah. for second, and yeah. he finished second and had a really strong run. And what's even crazier to me, beyond Lichty only having two championships, is that Clyde Booth has none. Well, yeah, I mean, but it seems like, you know, Clyde's always, some years he hasn't run them all. And, That's true. But a lot of years, yeah. you know, I mean, and and then, you know, he's, um, Clyde's had a history of mechanical issues or whatever, just, and again, I, I I don't mean to say I'm not disrespecting him or anything, just saying that he's, you know, that it, it seems like it's it's been rare that he's had an entire season where, you know, he's finished every race cleanly that, that the car started. And, of course, he's had many different drivers as well. Um, yep. But, again, he hasn't always run the whole schedule either, and it was it was, it was was neat to see um, that, that Mike Jr. was able to do that. And again, you know, we always talk about the, the history in the family, you know, Mike Sr., now Mike Jr. with Clyde. I mean, you know, that's, uh, um, that's a, a, a deep family sort of, you know, friendship there in addition to just being an opportunity for, for, you know, younger Mike to go racing. And so, um, very good to see that those guys had that kind of success and, 
you know, there again, we, you know, I, I, I don't really know what all the answers are. I just hope that we can figure out a way forward for Isma and, um, you know, to, to get a better car count at these shows and, um, or figure out a way to, you know, really, I, again, I, I would like to, to figure out a way to bring the supers together more and, um, but definitely a good season and, and, uh, congratulations to the Lichties at a, a, a really good run, uh, obviously, um, for the win, uh, you know, it's for McKennedy and, and, uh, what a, what an opportunity for, for Tyler Thompson as well to jump at the modified, uh, and go race and get, get the feel for that. Did you have a chance to, I've not had a chance to communicate with him since uh, the weekend. Have you had the chance to talk to him at all about how, uh, what his impressions were of, of that? Well, I heard that the car got wrecked up. Well, yeah, so, yeah, we know I, what the result was, but I <laughs> just curious I, when you thought about I, driving it. That's why I didn't mention the result. <laughs> I don't think he was actually able to race it at all. Oh, um, I thought. Yeah. See, I thought he. I okay. I m- must have been mistaken. I thought he. I thought he got wrecked in the race. Um, but I, I think perhaps it was on the the first lap of the heat race. It was. It was either that. It was or the heat race at okay. the end of practice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've heard okay. two different sides, so okay. I'm not sure which is correct. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it was tough, but, but uh, 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 nonetheless, a good opportunity for him to get some experience in a different type of car. And, you know, and, and look, I mean, <laughs> accidents are going to happen. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's your wreck and sometimes it's not, um, you know, but, uh, those things are going to happen. But he, you know, for Tyler to be able to, to have that opportunity and knowing that he's got, obviously he'll do the, the, the TQ, um, in the, in the winter again, I'm sure. And, and yep. the, the, uh, chili bowl coming up after the new year. Um, I mean, that's, I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of reasons to be excited about super modified racing and drivers and tracks and schedules coming up next year. Um, there are a lot of reasons to be excited about what's going on. And Tyler certainly is one of those, um, who's really bringing a lot of attention to the super modifieds by going and doing these other things. And I think that's great. Absolutely. It's, it's really good for Oswego Speedway. It's good for ISMA, for super modifieds in, in general. And, um, you know, it's, it's racing. Like you said, cars are going to get wrecked and he, he's going to make the most of every opportunity he gets. I, I know that. I know Jason Simmons and the guys will, will do the same. And he has the talent, I think, to, succeed in, in any yeah. of those rides he's been offered any of those things he has on his radar moving forward so i think tyler being the classic winner accomplishing what he has this year has a really good opportunity to kind of become one of the poster drivers for super modified racing i think we've really found a young star in him and oswego speedway and super modifieds needed that well yeah i mean it's been a while since you know we've seen anybody from the super modifieds be able to uh, basically expand their horizon a little bit and take it to the next level. And who knows, of course, how far Tyler will go. And certainly he's only 17, so it isn't as if he needs to be in any hurry to go anywhere uh, necessarily. You, you, you can take opportunities as they come and, you know, try to build uh, for the future still. You've got plenty of, of you know, time, certainly, but... Um, I just think that uh, having someone like Tyler that, you know, goes and does the other things and then, you know, points people back to 
um, the supermodifieds and for that matter, even the dirt cars, because he does some of that too. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just good to have drivers like that that can go do these other things. Bobby Santos obviously does that, that sort of thing too, um, and has been doing it for a while. Uh, but there aren't too many in the supers that really sort of get to go multitask and do, you know, a lot of other cars. Um, you know, it's, I think it's cool for him, but, uh, Wow. Um, so we're almost two hours into the show. Uh, any last second uh, thoughts before we close things up here for the week? I think that's about it. Like I said, just congratulations to the Lichties and to Clyde Booth and Mike Ordway Jr. on their runner-up. It was actually their first runner-up in the, the ISMA points, too. So that was, uh, that was cool to see, and I'm really thrilled that ISMA was able to finish the season strong with 25 cars and and maybe next year who knows uh maybe clyde and mike will be able to get that first title we'll see what happens well yeah you never know and uh certainly a big season coming up and some time to to breathe in between and uh we'll close this up for for this week and look forward to next week's show want to thank uh ipc indie indie performance composites uh premier uh, composite design and manufacturing company they create performance parts and solutions for the automotive aerospace and communications industries thanks to jeff west and his staff for their support thank you to sean and the staff at skips fish fry and to rich and the folks at jns paving uh please if you need their services if you need somebody uh need a paver please uh reach out to rich first uh support the folks who support super modified racing and support this show um and also of course uh our thanks as well to steve miller for coming on and just spending over an hour uh t- telling some stories and recalling his career it was a blast and as always thanks to camden and the folks from the oswego speedway and that's it. We're done. We'll uh, look forward to uh, yet another episode coming up in just a week's time. In the meantime, for Camden Proud, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. Have a safe weekend, everybody. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.